On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks give up 50 points. Yes, 50 points in the first quarter in what was a catastrophic performance out of the gate for Atlanta. They were better after that, but the damage was done, and they lose for the eighth time in the last 11 games. The Hawks not playing well, and for the first time this season, they are below 500. We'll have much more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1369 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday here in mid-December. And I also want to encourage you at the top of the show to make us your first listen each and every day. Check out the Lots on Hawks podcast across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play. And we're also, of course, on YouTube on the video side. And yeah, it was a rough one for the Atlanta Hawks on this Wednesday I am uh, not prone to hyperbole or saying things that are not necessarily uh, level-headed in the middle of basketball games, but I use the word embarrassing about the first quarter on Twitter on Wednesday night, and I believe that. In fact, I'm not even sure that was even strong enough. It was pretty much catastrophic out of the gate for the Hawks on Wednesday in Orlando. And while there is other stuff to point to, the Hawks played pretty well, actually, if you started the game 30 minutes later on this Wednesday. But the damage was done. If you didn't watch this game, I would encourage you, honestly, uh, just to kind of see what was going on about the first quarter. But it was 50-22 to 22 at the end of 12 minutes of play. There were records set by Orlando. We'll come back to that in a second. But in the end, the Hawks have now lost eight of the last 11 games. They were down by 29 points at one point, had their worst quarter of the entire season, and that was that quarter. They're now 3-10 and 10 in the last 13 games on the road. And for the first time all year long, the Hawks are below 500. They had been 500 a few times, um, 0-0, et cetera. They're now below 500 for the first time at 14 and 15, and it is not going particularly well. Now, I will always give you some context and try to not go crazy because, again, there was enough to uh, point to that wasn't like a complete and utter disaster. But that first quarter was inexcusable, and that is uh, certainly the headliner of this particular evening for the Hawks. So we'll get into the game as always now, and I certainly want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast. And what we do here is try to give you a comprehensive look at what transpired in the game, as well as some of my own takeaways and analysis. And um, when there's not a game, I'll, I'll have guests on and talk about certainly what is going on big picture mailbag questions, et cetera, but in the latest news and all that. But uh, first, by the way, before we dive into the game, I want to encourage everyone to read the interview and the update on, on Bob Rathman, my friend, uh, my close friend, I would say, um, who is the play-by-play voice for the Hawks on the TV side. He was he talked to Jeff Schultz, the athletic, and that was uh, that's certainly worth reading. Bob spent five nights in the hospital and had more more than a dozen tests. He said he feels good. He's eager to return to work. I know he's watching the game tonight. Uh, John Collins shouted him out on the broadcast. And uh, But shouts to Bob. He might even be listening to this podcast. I know he's a listener regularly. He's been on the show before. I'm very glad that he's feeling all right. But uh, certainly want to keep Bob in your prayers and thoughts uh, as he uh, gets closer to coming back to work, which would be a lot of fun to have him back on screen. Um, anyway, beyond that, uh, the Hawks game itself anyway. <laughs> uh, Orlando had been playing better. If you want to lay that out and credit Orlando, and I, I, I want to be sure to do that on this show. Nothing in the NBA is one team only. It takes two teams. And the Magic played very well in the first quarter of this game in particular. And they've now won, actually now won four games in a row. So this is not a terrible team. They're not good by any means. They are still, even with the win, 9-20 and 20 this year. So I don't want to go overboard. But they're 8-9 at home. They're competitive in that building. I was just there two weeks ago, and the Hawks were uh, – Better the better team on that day, but certainly Orlando's not an embarrassing product right now. 
Injury-wise, the Hawks are still shorthanded as well. Um, Collins and Murray still out, by the way. Collins did some work on the broadcast tonight. Um, and the two-week mark for him to be updated is actually on Thursday. Um, so it just goes from basically assuming that he's out the last two weeks to him being more like day-to-day. But Lauren Williams, the AJC, relayed earlier today on Wednesday that Nate McMillan said Collins has not been do- doing much beyond spot shooting. And uh, I don't think he's super close to coming back. It will kind of surprise me if he plays on Friday, for instance. But he is getting closer, it seems. He was pretty optimistic on the broadcast. Didn't give a timeline, but said he was hoping to be back soon. Um, as for the rest of the injury report, it was just those two guys that were out. Trey Young was questionable with the back soreness that came out of the game on Monday. And he famously got banged up on Sunday in that win against Chicago. It was multiple things. In fact, Lauren Jabara of Valley Sports Southeast reported that Trey has not had any feeling in his left pinky and is actually wearing a split on that non-shooting hand. So he's not 100% healthy either. He ended up playing this one. Orlando's actually missing some guys as well. Wendell Carr Jr., Jalen Suggs, Gary Harris, etc. But at tip-off with Trey Young playing, the Hawks were, according to our friends at Online, three-point favorites on the road. And obviously, they did not cover, nor did they win outright in this spot. So, with all that said, it's time to dive into the first quarter. And uh, I'll give some more context at the very end of the game about how I thought about this entire performance. But... Once again, I've used the word catastrophic. I've used the word embarrassing. I've used the word inexcusable. All those things apply. Um, the Hawks did force a shot clock violation on the first possession of the game, which is kind of funny uh, because the Hawks, nothing else went right after that for Atlanta. It was a 17-4 to run by the Magic to open the game up. They made seven of their first 10 shots and rebounded two of the first three misses as well. Um, the offense was pretty bad for the Hawks as well. It was not just the defense. The offense was very bad in the first quarter. Um, rotationally, it was what you would expect, but there was a lot of foul trouble as well. Bogey has the first sub for Jalen Johnson because Jalen had two fouls in a hurry. And then Jarrett Culver came in for DeAndre Hunter because he had two fouls. And uh, Hunter's second foul was on a really bad closeout against Bull Bull for three shots, just a, a weirdly bad play by DeAndre. And then it was Trent Forrest and the Kongwu um, as the uh, eighth and ninth guys, and then Justin Holiday as the tenth. Um, in the second half, it was only nine guys that played. They went to Holiday instead of Culver. And I actually think that they were not going to play Culver in this game, if I had to guess. He was kind of on the fringes on Monday as well um, and Sunday. So I think that um, because of the injury – sorry, because of the fouls, they went to Culver. But I think they were kind of going to go with nine, and they went with Justin in the second half. No matter what, um, we'll stop there. But uh, a 29-11 to start from the, ma- from the uh, Magic in this one. The Hawks scored six points in the first six minutes of the game. That's really rough. Um, very few paint touches offensively. They had five turnovers in the first six minutes, um, leading directly to 11 points by Orlando. And the defense was even worse, honestly. Orlando was pretty hot from the field and for three-point range, but that was only part of the problem. And after 10 and a half minutes, it was 46-17, to 17, a 29-point deficit. Ended up being 20 at the end of the first quarter. But uh, at, at that point, after 10 and a half minutes, the Magic had a 177 offensive rating. So what that means is they were scoring 1.77 points per possession. That is an outrageous figure. The league leading number for this season is about 1.2. They were at 1.77. There was a weird offensive foul call on Bogdanovich, and he was seemingly in some pain. He he seemed to be fine, but uh, that got Trey and Nate McMillan called for technical fouls back-to-back, and that was not going to be the end of that. Orlando kept scoring. Um, The Hawks did score at the very end of the quarter, uh, five points in like the final 90 seconds, but it was – to put it very plainly right now, it was the worst quarter of the season in every way for the Hawks, um, both because they were not at full strength, for sure, but they had enough talent. It was like in, in Memphis where the Hawks had an, basically an uncompetitive roster. In this game, Trey played and Capella played and McDonough played, and they had their they had a lot of their guys available. And to go, out, go down there and be down 50 to 22 to Orlando is just, again, inexcusable. Uh, the numbers are what they are. It's crazy. Orlando set a franchise record for points in a quarter. That says it all right there. 
But the Magic are also a bad offensive team. They're not like horrible, but they're a bottom five, bottom six offensive team in the league. Also, the most points allowed in the quarter by the Hawks this year. No surprise there. And also, the Magic were one point short of a NBA record for first quarter scoring. The Warriors had that record, 51 points back in 2019. So, uh, yeah, it was just a nightmare stuff on offense, uh, on, on, on defense for the Hawks, and then offense too, honestly. But uh, at the end of the day, the Magic had a 166 offensive rating in the first quarter. They made six threes. They got to the line 13 times. That's a sneaky bad part of that performance as well. And the Hawks were genuinely awful on offense. They had 22 points on 28 possessions. That's a terrible ratio. They were 07 from three. They had seven turnovers, 38% from the floor. I have numbers all up and down here, but uh, I'll just stop now to say that first quarter was as bad as it seemed on paper. If you didn't watch it, uh, I, I, I'm trying to explain that to you how bad it was, but it really was that bad. And after the game, Nate talks about just not kind of um, being scrappy enough, all the, all the things that you might say. But look, and I definitely saw this. We'll come back to this later on as well about people kind of you know saying this is like a fireball offense for Nate and all that stuff. He and the, he and the staff deserve blame for sure for the first quarter. Um, it's mutual blame in my mind. I think the staff gets blame. When it's this bad, it's everybody. It's the players. It's the staff. It's preparation. It's execution. It's everything coming wrapping into one. And uh, I will say it's probably good for Nate and his uh, and his status that they weren't like losing by fifty in this game because they could have lost fifty points in this game very easily. The fact that they were able to kind of battle back is probably better for the perception of this one because if you just didn't watch the game and only saw the score. 11-point loss to Orlando is not good, but it's not like a complete disaster. Whereas if you watch the first quarter, it was quite bad. And people were asking me pretty much every 30 seconds whether Nate was going to get fired at the end of the day. Not what you want to see at the uh, top of a game in December. All right, we'll get into the rest of the game in a second. I promise you on that. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online. That is a huge part of the appeal of ExpressVPN. If you happen to know that already or something you might not have known, and you could always... Always and always use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Maybe run stuff to watch on Netflix. If so, this will actually change your worldview. That you can actually binge shows like The Office on UK Netflix. It's so simple to do. Just sign in Netflix, fire up the app, change the location to the UK, refresh Netflix, and that is it. ExpressVPN also lets you control where you, sites want to think you're located. That actually allows you to choose from almost 100 different countries. Just imagine all of the libraries you can go through. Not just Netflix either. All kinds of apps and services. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube. You name it, they all work at, with, with ExpressVPN. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason I, I definitely endorse ExpressVPN is actually because it's actually ridiculously fast. And there's never any buffering or lag. You can stream an HV with no problem. And it works on all of your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. Watch what you want to watch on the big screen or on the go. And if you want to get hundreds of accesses to uh, new shows and more, go to expressvpn.com slash locked on right now. You can get an extra three months as well of ExpressVPN for free if you use that promo code. It is expressvpn.com slash locked on. One more time, expressvpn.com slash locked on to learn more. Imagine you were hanging out with some friends, putting back a few drinks. A few drinks becomes a few too many drinks. And as the evening comes to an end, people start to head out. And you think of calling for a ride in some form or fashion. But you think, nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you get pulled over anyway? And even if so, what's the worst that can happen? Your insurance goes up or you lose your license? Well, or you could lose your job or total your car or even kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that does not stop everybody from getting behind the wheel when under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on the roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's life forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. 
So from here, the Hawks did play much better. In fact, they won the second quarter. They won the third quarter. They played even in the fourth quarter. And they won the last three quarters of this game by 17 points. And in general, that's pretty good. Um, I thought the bench unit started things off better in the second quarter. Um, more juice than the starters had at, at the start. Uh, that was a low bar. I do think that through basically a quarter, and a quarter and a half of this game, the only guy that I would say was playing to his level, his normal level or higher, was Trent Forrest. I thought Forrest played pretty well in the first quarter and a half. Everybody else, to varying degrees, admittedly, was below their norm. Uh, I thought Capella was probably the runner-up on this list, um, but nobody else was good in the first quarter and a half. The Hawks did finally come alive, and uh, the big story in the second quarter was DeAndre Hunter, actually. The Hawks had a 7-0 run. Hunter made the first three of the game. The Hawks missed their first nine threes, so they didn't have a three for the first 18 minutes of this basketball game. That's really bad. Hunter made three threes in pretty short order. Uh, Hawks didn't really actually make a comeback with them because they couldn't get stops, though. Uh, I do think, and I've said this before on the show, but I'll say it now for maybe new listeners or whatever, but Hunter took nine threes in this game. That's a good thing. I think Hunter should be taking more threes. I've been saying that for a long time. And even if he's not, um, they shouldn't all be self-created, though. I want to see him make catch-and-shoot threes. But I thought that he, him getting up, uh, getting up threes was probably encouraging. You know, he obviously made a bunch of them in short order. The Hawks also had, they were down by 22 to 25 or so for most of the quarter. And then they had a big run at the end of the first half to actually make things interesting the rest of the game. It was an 11-0 run in the final two minutes of the first half with the Magic first leaving Jalen Johnson just completely open for a corner three on an inbounds pass. That was just a terrible breakdown by the Magic defense. Then Hunter hit a three, and then Hunter had five more points at the end of the quarter in the last 40 seconds. So 11-0 run. And honestly, I thought Hunter, along with everybody else, essentially other than Forrest, was really bad in the first quarter and a half. And then he was really hot at the end of the second quarter. Uh, he played the entire quarter in the second and had a career high for scoring in a quarter with 20 points. Um, he only ended up the night with 25. So basically he did almost all of his damage in that quarter, but he had four threes, got to the line four times. And uh, he was a big reason why the Hawks were in this game just because of that run. Cause if they were down by 28 at the half. It's basically over. But the fact that the Hawks were able to get back to 14 down at halftime felt like there's actually a basketball game again. They scored 40 points in the second quarter. And uh, again, being down by 14 at the half is not good, but it's not the same thing as being down by 29. So there was some life there. Um, still defensively, it was rough the entire way, but uh, at least they were in the game. After halftime, the Hawks got it to 10 quickly. Capella had a back-to-back -back, uh, dunk and a layup at the, at the outset. And uh, offensively, the Hawks were kind of pretty good, honestly. They were 6-9 uh, from the floor, only one turnover to open up the third quarter. One of the misses was a pretty bad process air ball by Trey. But other than that, it was pretty solid. Hunter had a nice pass, actually, which was good to see from him. Uh, I thought Jalen Johnson was really good early in the third quarter with, with some activity, had a block shot, had back-to-back -back nice, like, cuts and finishes around the rim and the lead was down to nine for Orlando. And there was some genuine optimism there for the Hawks as they were like kind of in the game and uh, the better team down nine, like you're in a decent spot there, um, but they could not get stops. The biggest issue really the whole game, probably if you had to circle one thing aside from just the first quarter in bold letters was put up a tight, put up a tight defense. They just could not get can, containment on the perimeter. It wasn't just every individual player, you know, obviously Trey and AJ is not the best defensive backcourt in the world just to put it, to put it very plainly, but I thought Hunter had a bad defensive game. I thought Jalen had some trouble. I thought the backups, you know, maybe Forrest was okay, but uh, bogey has been rough defensively since he came back. And that's not like, unexpected because of the, uh, the knee and all that stuff, but he's been pretty rough, uh, et cetera. So it was, it was kind of everybody, but that was a problem throughout the game. They got a free point for Cole Anthony, a technical foul in the third quarter, and the Hawks were down by eight points in the final minute of the third quarter. Uh, it was, that was as close as it was after it was 12-4 to 4 in the early going by Orlando. It was not closer than eight again the rest of the game. 
The Hawks allowed three, three of the last possession of the third quarter to go back down by 11 points. They were still in the game. That was a big shot, though, by Orlando at the end. And defensively, it was really rough through that point. The Hawks didn't score. Actually, the fourth quarter was the biggest slog. The first three, first three minutes or so of the fourth quarter was 3-0 in favor of Orlando. The Hawks didn't score for three minutes. Orlando only had one bucket. It was a three. And uh, Bogey kind of broke that. Nate won a challenge early in the fourth quarter. That was probably a good decision overall to kind of take free throws off the board for Orlando. The Hawks were down by basically between 10 and 14 for like six or seven minutes in a row. They were just kind of hanging in that range. The run never came. Uh, unfortunately, Capella went to the locker room with about five minutes to go. He did not look to be moving at his 100% level in the second half. And the Hawks said later that he had right calf tightness um, after the game. Nate didn't say much beyond that. Um, obviously, Capella being shorthanded or out is not good at all. But that's, you know, basically there was nothing to add from Nate. So we'll kind of all hold our breath there because he's so important to this team. Uh, of note, by the way, Capella's injury is the different leg. He was, of course, he missed the game on Monday with left Achilles soreness. I think there was probably some prevention and probably a little bit of back-to-back stuff on Monday. But it was a different leg. This time it's the right calf. So we'll see what the actual injury is, if there is one. But uh, that's one. The Hawks cannot, cannot afford to be without Capella for any length of time. The Hawks were still within like nine again, bogey to three, and then there was a big run, nine to two by the Magic to kind of break it open, go up by 16. I think the Magic has some uh, some pretty good fortune in that stretch with some shot making, uh, but that's the price of being down 29. Um, things have to go perfectly for you from that point forward, and they, and they didn't quite do that. The Magic made enough shots, and credit to them for playing well in this game. But the Hawks got it, got it down to nine again with like 110 left, but it was never really in doubt down the stretch, and the Hawks were able to get, get, go sort of over the line, uh, ending, ending up with an uh, 11-point loss, and basically didn't even clear, didn't clear the bench. It was kind of just over at the end of this one. So as far as the numbers are concerned, uh, offensively, the Hawks – played well in this game. Now, I hesitate because of how bad the first quarter was to just give them a complete pass on offense, but that was still worse defensively than offensively in the first quarter, I think. And if you look at the numbers, they had a 121 offensive rating. That is excellent. They shot 60% on twos in this game. That is excellent as well. Now, they they hit three threes in the final like two minutes that were kind of meaningless-ish, and that made the numbers look better. They were still only 12 of 35 from three. The Hawks still cannot make threes this season. It's been a theme throughout the year, but that happened again in this one. The numbers were worse than that most of the night. They got to the line 27 times. That's a good number for them, 24 of 27. They had 30 assists and 13 turnovers. Those are both really good numbers. So basically, the Hawks' offensive profile looks great in this game. It's just that they were playing from behind the entire game, and it didn't really matter at the end. Um, defensively, it was it was a shambles. Let's just be honest about it. Um, there were some moments. I thought Capella had really good moments. I thought Jalen had good moments, uh, flashes defensively at times around the rim. I thought Trent Force did a good job. Um, Hunter had a couple of nice like out you know on ball moments, but it was not good defensively in this game. A one thirty two defensive rating, and uh, it was better after the first quarter, but it was still rough. The Magic hit 16 of 36 from three, and that's a hat tip for them. So that's what I was talking about earlier on the, on the show. Like, it's never one team. The Magic made a bunch of shots, and kudos to them for doing that. So, But, but that doesn't like change the fact that the Hawks were bad. So it's basically both sides. The Magic had 30 free throw attempts. That's way too many. That's their biggest strength on offense this year, and they were able to kind of um, – use that to their advantage. The Hawks did, did not do well on the glass defensively. Basically, when Capella was off the floor, as usual, it was pretty rough. Um, yeah, I don't know. The whole thing across the board, it was a mess defensively. There was nothing positive in the numbers, and that's how you give up 135 to a bottom five offense in the Magic. 
All right, we'll have uh, individual breakdowns in a second, as we always do on the podcast. I will go player for player and how they performed and what I saw from them analysis-wise in this game. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Can we actually hit the pause button for a second? Now that we're taking a pause, I want to tell you about Built Bar and the new reimagined flavors that they have in store for you. Built Bar has standard all-time flavors that are amazing, but they also have new flavors like Coconut Topper and Coconut Brownie Bar and White Chocolate Peppermint Granola. That peppermint granola flavor is Built Bar's take on a granola bar, so it's more filling and it's also very still tasty, tasty, tasty. And you also have the cane, the cane brownie flavor. That's a puff bar that tastes like you've been biting into a, into a delicious cloud. And for everyone who's not tried Built Bar yet, first of all, I don't know what you're waiting for. Second of all, I also have to tell you, it's the best tasting protein bar ever, and the like a candy bar except it's actually good for you as well they have nutrition capabilities as we know with 100 real chocolate 17 grams of protein and shockingly low sugar and calorie counts have that first bite it'll change your life forever i'm not kidding there'll be a time before you try these built flavors and then there'll be a much better time that's wonderful after you've actually tried those magical wonderful flavors i have never had a flavor that i didn't enjoy at built bar i have too many flavors that i actually just love to count but really you have to buy and check out all the built bars that you're looking for. The best way to maybe do that is to check out a mixed box. They have multiple offerings in the same box. You can sample them multiples at the same time. No matter what you're looking for, find it at built.com. And if you should check out today, that's the place to go is built.com. And if you use the promo code locked on 15, you get 15% off on your order with built bar. One more time. That is promo code locked on 15, 15% off at built.com. Today's show is brought to you by Turo, and Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., the U.K., Canada, and coming soon to Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan if you're looking for that, for a family road trip or something else like that where you need more space, or get a classic or luxury car for a special event or a birthday or a holiday, or you can find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just want to get from point A to point B with ease and comfort. Test drive a new electric vehicle as well if you have your eye on that to see how it fits in your everyday life. And many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Yes, delivered right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. All right, and it's sort of a mixed bag, as you might expect, and a bad loss in some in some ways. For the Hawks, the bench numbers were not good other than Justin Holiday actually was plus three, which is funny. Um, he only took one shot. He had two points and two assists. He didn't look great to me. He looked better in the second half than the first half, as most guys did. I thought he was okay, but he played a bunch. Um, there was no Aaron Holiday in this game, which was not at least somewhat of a surprise to me. Um, Culver played four minutes, didn't do much in the first half. He had two turnovers, didn't have the same juice that he's had recently. And then maybe that's why he didn't play in the second half because they, uh, Culver has to play hard and be flying around because of his offensive limitations. And he really wasn't doing that. Uh, Trent Forrest, four points, four rebounds, three assists. Uh, didn't miss four shots and 0-2 from three. That's kind of typical, but he didn't play a ton in the second half either. Uh, Bogdanovich, creaky on defense for sure, but had 17 points on 15 shots. That's not so bad. Five rebounds, three assists. Um, offensively, you know, only three of nine from three in this one. But uh, I thought Bogey offensively was fine, just the defense. And he was part of the problem in the first quarter as well, as everybody was. Akongu had, had kind of a mixed game. He had a lot of fouls early, ended up getting that under control later on and playing 26 minutes, 15 points, 11 rebounds, a nice double-double from him. Um, had, had a steal as well. Rebounding-wise, there were some rough moments for Onyeka, but I thought he gave good effort and good um, good juice on offense in the second half in particular. He just played fine, I thought, generally. Uh, first quarter, like everybody else was, was bad. Um, Jalen... Kind of similar. Second half, much better. First half, not so much. Had four blocks. That's good to see. Uh, had one really nice stretch in the third quarter. Uh, nine points, 
Allen, nine shots is not great. He, he's definitely not getting guarded like a shooter, and with good reason. He's not a shooter right now. Also, no rebounds is not good for him in 19 minutes. Um, A.J. Griffin was okay. 15 points on nine shots is obviously really good, but defensively, I thought he was particularly bad in this one. Uh, had a block, had two rebounds, but didn't do much on defense. He did make a shot in the second half, was a little bit more judicious than usual, more efficient and like kind of uh, low-key on offense, but made, made a shots. Uh, Capella, before he exited, 16 points, six rebounds in 22 minutes, made eight of, eight of 10 from the floor. A uh, couple nice uh, rim um, rejections, or at least like walling up at the rim moments from him defensively. He was just okay for him. He was still good overall because he's a good player, but he wasn't like a standout in this one either. And then Trey Young, very weird game for Trey. Uh, Trey had 16 assists. That's a lot of assists. <laughs> uh, you cannot fake 16 assists. I didn't think that Trey even had like his best passing game, which is kind of funny because he had. Uh, a season high in assists, but I, I don't think he like played very well. In fact, he was the only guy on the roster that was more than minus 11. Now part of that's playing a ton of minutes, but 19 points on 17 shooting possessions, 18 shooting possessions. Like he wasn't good as a scorer again in this one. He continues to miss shots at an alarming level. He was six of 15 from the floor and one of five from three. His numbers, I've talked about them on every podcast. I'm not going to do it again here, but he's got to make shots at some point. He's just not making shots, uh, five turnovers. And then defensively, it was bad. Uh, it's often bad, but it was, uh, I thought, notably bad, for even for Trey in this one. So, obviously, the assists are really helpful, and he had more than half of the team's assists in this game. He still is a positive offensive player, even when he doesn't have, when he's not making shots, because he is so effective at passing and ball handling and just knifing through defenses. But I don't think Trey, on a night when he had 16 assists, was particularly good by his standards. Again, his standards are super high, but he's just not playing that well for him right now. Okay, so my final thought on the game itself. I don't want to go crazy. Again, I, I open with this. I'll close with it as well. It was pretty embarrassing in the first quarter. And I do think, again, it was a mixed blame. Everyone's always looking for the blame pie. Who to blame and whose fault is it and what, what changes can be made. And I get it. That first quarter can inspire that more. And that's one of those times when, like, I don't even mind people trying to fire the coach. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not someone who's going to come on the podcast and really do that. It's not really my thing. But when you're down 50-22 to 22 against Orlando and it's a total no-show, like, I do understand that impetus from a fan of basketball. I get it. It was that bad in the first quarter. Um, but it was players. It was execution. It was Orlando making shots. It was Nate being unper- Nate and the staff kind of – it seemed like they were unprepared to play, which is not a good sign by anybody. The vibes are bad, too. Like, not, not a lot of, like, juice around the bench. And I'm not a huge body language guy either, but it was not particularly vibey early in this game. So – with all the all the stuff swirling around about the Trey rumors and Nate Nate and Trey and Trey versus everybody else, as reported by Sam Amick, and it's not good right now for the Hawks. And that's not going to be sugarcoated by me right now. I do think that some of the alarm is a little bit overstated because even with this loss, like I've seen people talking about like tanking now, and that's just not a reality. The Hawks are still right now, even with a very bad stretch of basketball tied for the eight seed in the East. And like as long as Trey and like there's some semblance of health, they're not going to pull the plug and tank. Um, I think it's pretty obvious, but in case you need to hear that, they're not going to do that. And look, even with all this, they're two games out of fifth. So like the East being jumbled up definitely matters. They're three and a half games out of third right now. Yes, Boston and Milwaukee are not going to be caught by the Hawks. That's pretty obvious at this stage. But uh, I think that having Murray and Collins would be helpful. Um, I, I don't think that this is one of those nights where you just like give up on the season. But uh, again, the first quarter was so bad. Uh, catastrophe is the word I keep coming back to in my brain. Embarrassing. I, I don't use those words lightly either. I'm not someone who's going to go like yell and scream, but it, it really actually, it actually was embarrassing in the first quarter from the Hawks. 
like, and there you go. All right. So from here, the Hawks go to Charlotte on Friday and the Hornets are having a terrible season so far. They've had lots of injuries throughout the year. They lost at home tonight in overtime to the Pistons. Um, there was one ray of light for Charlotte and that's, and that's LaMelo ball came back. He's only played three games before tonight. So four games all season long out of 28 for the, for the Hornets. So that's part of why they've been so bad this year. Uh, he was actually plus 16 and again, they lost by seven, which is tough to do. Um, so they're more at full strength. And you might remember uh, one of Charlotte's seven wins this year was actually a pretty stunning victory in Atlanta back in October when they scored 126 and beat the Hawks by 17 points. That was a bizarre night, and the Hawks just played terrible in that game. But uh, So maybe we'll see a little revenge on that one. The Hawks are better than the Hornets, even without Murray and Collins. And even on the road, the Hawks that's a game the Hawks should win, but that's also the same thing I would have said about this game. So nothing is assured. Uh, they have a day off on Thursday. No rest advantage for Charlotte, or they're just not, have, not being able to travel between games. But obviously, Orlando to Charlotte, not the longest trip in the world. So the Hawks should be relatively fresh in that game. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. I am traveling on Thursday. So barring a trade or a crazy, so barring some large news event on Thursday, I'm not going to be recording a podcast. So my next show will be after the game on Friday. I will pledge to you to be back from uh, Parts Unknown on Friday after the game. I'll have a podcast in some form. So please stay tuned for all of that. I'm also writing about the Hawks more these days at patreon.com slash BT Rollins. If you want to read that and support that work, I definitely encourage you to do so. Please also subscribe to this podcast, Lots on Hawks, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Odyssey app, uh, Google Play, all those places. I definitely... Thank you for listening and subscribing across the pl- across the board there. Auto-download, uh, if you want to support the show, it's the best way to do that. Also on YouTube, every show should be there in some form or fashion. Thank you for listening, everybody. I'm sure this is not going to be a hugely downloaded episode, c- given the uh, state of play on this loss. But uh, certainly some interesting stuff to discuss. And uh, we'll see how the Hawks respond, because they have a chance to get back to 500 on Friday and uh, alle- uh, sort of alleviate some of the schedule stuff, some of the uh, disaster stuff here. Final note here on the way out, the Hawks should be favored in the next four games. Famous last words, but uh, we'll see if they can take care of business along the way. All right, everybody, enjoy the rest of your week as we head into Thursday and Friday, and I will be back after the game on Friday. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.